This is Keith Fleming with Scott Porter for another episode of Two Off the Tee on the IBN podcast feed. Scott, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. How about you? I'm here. Doing well. Vertical. You're vertical. Uh, that's right. Uh, my golf game's not great, but Mine you know, it is what it is. Um, so we've got a little bit of a lull, which I guess is unfair to the Wells Fargo with the, the field that they got, but uh, we figured we would do a, a, a quick podcast. The next one will be uh, in two weeks. We'll do a PGA Championship preview podcast where I can't. Uh, know for sure if you remember but i correctly picked on our last preview podcast who was going to win the masters uh so you know you might want to listen to that to get uh he's on a hot streak i'm on a hot streak i'm one for one uh (laughs) problem was half of america picked the same pick you they did but they didn't on a podcast and it wasn't recorded for for all mankind to hear forever so we're going to just real quickly kind of go over the uh news what's going on in the world of golf we're going to talk a you know for a few minutes about the wells fargo and then because again it's kind of a a slow period we thought we'd do something fun uh we're going to go over a couple of different things we're going to talk about our three favorite types of golfers to play with uh the three type of golfers we hate to play with and three things that we just don't quite understand uh about (laughs) or involved in golf so i figured we could have some fun with that stuff that sound cool to you scott absolutely buddy i'm excited and it's it's a good change of pace awesome so what what's going on in the sports world of golf um it's kind of in the it kind of relates to the world uh and and what you've seen change um in the last i don't know two to three years in america with the views on uh thc cbd um just marijuana as a plant so you're uh, talking about the tiger field you want to tell everybody what, what so, the, the rumor or i guess the article so broke, going around it broke a lot of people i don't know most of you if you watch the masters one thing that a lot of people notice and what i immediately noticed was the amount of players that started chewing gum chomping on so gum my, not just yeah, chewing like, they were chomping on it so my first thought was well oh shit the pga tour went in the footsteps of the mlb and trying to ban tobacco trying to ban to like dipping and right. everything. you didn't see Dustin, you didn't see uh, Kepka, you didn't see uh, Kisner with a lot of big dips in at Augusta National, which I'm sure they still were. But then I was like, wait, Phil didn't dip, Tiger didn't dip, um, Justin Rose doesn't dip, but they were all chomping on gum. Yep. And so it, I, I stayed thinking about that for a little while, for a couple weeks after, and that just rained kind of weird in my mind. And then all of a sudden, I'm on Twitter um, yesterday, or, or what was it, three day, two or three days ago? Well, yeah, was two or three days ago. About it. And all, all of a sudden, I'm scrolling on Twitter, and I see this this article from the guy that broke. I can't remember his name. I don't have it written down, but it's the guy that broke the Lance Armstrong uh, scandal, the doping scandal. And he came out with this article that said, "Yes, your heroes are actually chewing CBD gum while on the golf course at Augusta National." Um, and I, immediately I clicked on it. I was like, this has obviously got to be clickbait, right? Right. Because that is huge. Like for, for the people, I have a lot of friends that are, um, you know, that want to see marijuana, not, not, um, get legalized so much for use, but really for, for helping people, uh, medically, they want to see it across all 50 States. Um, and that is big news. You see a lot of people now that are selling, even in, in Georgia, you can sell it now. A lot of the places are selling CBD oil for vapes or 
um, for you know chewing gum. Or, or just to like clarify, that. what is it exactly? Right, so for CBD, people that don't know, CBD is the part of a marijuana plant that does not get you high. So right. THC and CBD, those are the two um, kind of benefits ingredients. Uh, ingredients. Yeah, if you will, the it, that those are the chemical. Um, in the chemical parts of the plant that can have an effect on your body. Now, what CBD does is CBD calms you down. CBD helps people with seizures. It helps people uh, with with nerves, nervousness, uh, stage fright, all of these things. Well, what the golf world is now found out in the last couple of days is that the rumor is now this has not been released yet, right. um, and the PJ Tour has not made a statement on it. Doubt they will. But the rumor is that they sent a confidential letter to all of the players on the Web.com and the PGA Tour, stating to use CBD gum and oil at their own risk due to lack of testing. Okay, so if you break that down, what they're actually trying to say is use it, but if you get, there are certain CBDs that will actually register as right. THC on a drug you test. You get a test. Right. So they're saying use it at your own risk. We know it's legal, but if you get caught or fail a test because of it, you're still going to be held to the same standards. Well, depending on who you are, right? We were talking about okay, it. I don't true. see Tiger and true, Phil getting true. suspended, no, right? No, of course, of course. But depending on who you are, um, you know, and that's just kind of the world right. we live no, in. Right. No, absolutely. But... So it just blew my mind that I never thought, one, that I would see the sport that I love, that I have a career in, get involved with with the legalization of cannabis. Right. And it, it's cool just to see the social trends of that leaking now into the game of golf. What the golfers are looking for when they do this or when they're chewing the gum is they're trying to calm their nerves on the world's biggest stages. They're trying to think clearly Okay, so one thing that CBD does is it will, like, it kind of the opposite. Instead of getting you high, uh, CBD will actually make you, like, focus. Right. It has some better enhance, uh, it enhances some of your natural abilities already. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more positive than, you know, getting stoned and where you lose, re- you know, function uh, or clear function of your, of your body. CBD does the opposite, and it kind of makes your mind more sharp. So what do you think on that? What are, what are your thoughts about it? I mean... I was kind of shocked when you told me about it. I I had not uh, seen the article, or I guess I had not been on social media that day, because uh, once you had told me, I looked and and saw a lot of articles. What was interesting to me is chewing gum has a lot of the, I guess, same uh, benefits. And they were talking about that, I guess, there's been some studies and stuff that it... It helps you focus. It keeps you more alert, and well, so, and, and it also when I know when I chew gum mm-hmm. um, on the course or do anything, you know, that it kind of distracts <laughs> you from right. It, it it gets you out of your head, kind of, and you're just focused, just focused on your chewing, you know, chewing your gum, and it slows you down. It helps your tempo. Um, obviously, people don't chew gum while they're swinging, but mm-hmm. chewing gum before and after, and it just kind of keeps you keeps you calm right uh, if you have something else to focus on and i mean i'm somebody that personally i think that marijuana should be legalized there's so many positive effects for it and without getting into the debate and stuff i mean it's definitely no worse than cigarettes or alcohol and that kind of stuff so to me it's not personally a big deal and you Uh, can make a lot of money tax a lot of money uh, (laughs) and hopefully keep a lot of people out of jail for something stupid like that but uh it you know 
it's to me it's kind of a non-story i think it's pretty cool to think that people that don't read the article are thinking like phil and tiger are out there getting high right. you know, during the masters or, or if they don't understand it you know i i grew up a in a benefit town or something well i grew up in a town where all you had to say was cannabis and right. people immediately th- you know, thought back to days and confused right. in the seventies, you know? So it's just, uh, it, it's something that, that generational mindsets are so different on it. Mm-hmm. And I see it from both sides since I'm, I am from such a small town and I, you know, my parents, friends and my grandparents and their friends, and they all think of it as, as one way. And then everyone that is younger, uh, thinks of it completely different. And so I don't know if that changes when you get older, mm-hmm. if you start to think of it a little bit differently. Because right. I know for a fact a lot of the guys that uh, that I've talked to that are against it nah, it's just probably the way you're burned raised. when they were It's the way you're raised, man. Yeah. And, I mean, I think this is a whole, it's changing people's outlook. So another story uh, going on right now uh, in the world of golf is Tiger's Yacht is officially yacht. docked at the PGA. He skipped the Wells Fargo which we'll get to in just a minute. Uh, I saw a tweet the other day, I believe it was Riggs from Barstool, and this is nuts because there's a high probability of this, that Tiger's schedule potentially for the the next, what would this be, four or five tournaments. Uh, He played in the Masters. He's going to wait playing the PGA. So back-to-back majors, nothing in between. Play, obviously, the Memorial. That's Jack's tournament. And then the U.S. Open and the British Open. And, like, that so literally have, may be his next five events. And, oh, by the way, he's already, you know, won a major this year. Right. And it, he's the favorite at the Tour Championship. And he's got a lot of venues less that he likes. To me, what I take from this is he's feeling himself. Right. Like, this proves that he, he – in some interviews I saw since his Masters win, he feels really confident. And from what I saw – he, you know, his putting is still not where he wants it to be, and he's admitted that. But the big thing is, he thinks he's found a driver. Like he thinks mm-hmm. that not only has he found, I guess, the right shaft and lie and everything with the actual club and technology, but he's found a swing to where he can work it both left to right and right to left. He feels really comfortable. I guess I forgot the word he kept using, but basically his way of saying I'm hitting a 315 yard cut, which is just these guys make me sick how far they hit it, <laughs> and. Uh, he obviously doesn't feel like that he needs to, you know, get those rounds in between. I mean, obviously he's playing at his, you know, course and with his buddies and stuff, but it also shows though, if he's already at the venue, kind of like Augusta, he's getting there a little early. I take this as a sign that he feels like he has a great shot to win. We've mentioned on previous podcasts, he's won, uh, at Bethpage when they had the U S open there, um, you think kind of the same thing? What are you thinking about this? Yeah, I mean, he it clearly shows me that he doesn't feel like he needs any more tournament rounds to stay competitive at the PGA. Now, Beth Plage, like you said, he's talking about talking about the driver. He feels like he can work it both ways, and that that's fantastic. I want to see it at somewhere he doesn't know every nook and cranny like he does Augusta National. Now he did he drove it he drove it. Decently well at Augusta. I wouldn't say it was the strongest thing in his game that week. I would say we, we both agree that's his iron play um, and his long irons and then, um, you know, kind of around the greens. But <clears throat> what can he do it at Beth Page? I think that's why he's there so early. 
Um, I think he's there to one get Find his putter lines and stuff. Well, one get his putter back in shape. He wants to be fully prepared on the next greens he plays. Right. Um, and for a, for a major tournament. And then the, the second thing is to find his sight lines. Cause it's been a lot. Well, I mean, I don't have it pulled up or, uh, in front of me, but I think it has to be at least eight, 10, 12 years since the last time he really contended at Bethpage. I believe, Maybe. I don't know if he played in the other, uh, US Open. Cause I believe there was one other US Open there. Correct. I think so. Because I know that in '02 was uh, the year that he won the U.S. Open there, or maybe it was '03, but uh, he beat so, Phil coming down the stretch. So, but no, he—I mean, it's not a course that he's like, that. yeah, like Torrey Pines or Pebble. That not only has he played majors there, he's you know played, he's played other you know, events exactly. Exactly. So that—that's what I'm trying to say is the you know people talk about him winning there. Yeah, but that was 16 years ago. Correct. 17 years ago. Yeah. So, or, uh, 15 or 16. So all I'm trying to say is he he's there. Pro- he's proving to me that he cares more about the specific venue than he does about making sure his game is tournament ready. Right. Now it's he he thinks it's already tournament ready. Is what I'm trying to say. Right. You know he doesn't feel like he has to go compete, find himself, gain that that extra confidence. He's got all the what confidence. What does he always in the world say? Now. Get in the reps. Yeah, get in the reps. He, he you know it's just all about the reps. It's all about the reps. And when he isn't saying that anymore. The field should be scared because he feels like he's already at that point where he can go out and if he knows his sight lines and he's comfortable on the greens, look out, man. He could. I'm not saying he's going to, but he could. He oh, could no. do something special. Yep, and um, just the swagger of showing up on your yacht. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's cool. good. It's good to be Tiger Woods. Uh, the Wells Fargo is going on this week. It's a shame. It's a big term. It's a great golf course. It's actually a, a, a good field. I wouldn't say great, but they got a lot of top players in the world, and they are in the top ten, which is always exciting. Uh, but unfortunately, when you know Tiger wins Augusta, and then if he's not showing up at your event. Unfortunately, I think, you know, the more successful he gets, the more it's going to become when Tiger's playing and when he's not, which it has its good and bad things for the PGA Tour. Uh, The players don't care because, you know, the better Tiger does, the higher the ratings, the more money they're going to make, the bigger purses. Right, and if he's not there, then it's the, you know, you're not having to play play in front of all the crowds. You're not having to worry about the roars in your backswing. So it, you know, I see it from both sides for the players. It's right. a, it's a benefit when he's there because ratings are higher, uh, sponsors get more excited, people see their names on the logos on the shirts. You right. make a bigger purse. Exactly. Uh, attendance is higher, but at the same time, all of that stuff added in can add extra pressure on you. And now, if you miss the cut, you know what good was it that he was there? Because, <laughs> exactly. So it it comes from both sides, but yeah, man. The, what's crazy? It, it it is a good field. Okay, so just in the top... Well, before we get into that, well, how about Duff Daddy? Old Duffner, you know, Mr. PGA Champion. Uh, my, my buddy's a big Auburn fan, so he's been big on Duffner for a long time. And he's really disappointed because, you know, he almost won the... I believe it was the previous year's PGA with Keegan Bradley. Uh, Bradley outdueled him. Then he came back and kind of dominated it, I think, just a year later. Yep. And then since then, it's it's been a weird career for him because he'll he'll have these wins every once in a while, yep. and then in between, he's he's quite frankly like mediocre at best. He's boo weekly. Uh, he's Part he's two. he's gotten what fat, skinny, fat. Uh, dated, divorced. Exactly. Or dated, married, divorced, dated. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, mean, there's a lot of ups and downs. Exactly. And uh, he went out today. Highs and lows. Exactly. (laughs) Went out and shot 63 today. He's at 11 under. Uh, I'm a you know big golf fan. I know you are. You work in the business. You teach. I don't even know the guys that are in second tied for uh, 10 under. I couldn't tell you. Max Homa and John Donham, or Joel Donham, Danham. Sorry, Joel. I don't (laughs) don't know who you are. And then you got a bunch of guys that are really interesting uh, down at tied fourth and tied sixth. You got McElroy and Reed at six under. You got Rosenday at five under. Uh, Personally, I think Duffner's probably going to win this tournament. One thing that he has done in his career uh, is when he has a lead and he's playing like this, he can finish. Uh, but obviously, my goal as a golf fan is that maybe he shoots a even one under par round tomorrow, and then you have one of those four names we just said. Even better if it's you know multiple of them get into contention where we have you know Duffner McElroy, Duffner Reed, Duffner Day, Duffner Rose on Sunday, and we get something entertaining to watch Sunday afternoon. I'm fine with that as long as my boy Duff wins. Okay, so I would rather – what I'm saying is I would, as much as I'd love to see, um, you know, the Wells Fargo get some attention on Sunday, have good ratings, it's not going to – the ratings aren't going to be as high, but for me as a golf fan, right. because I love Jason Duffner. <laughs> All right, so quick story about Jason Duffner. Um, I was working at Sunset Hills, and he practiced there because he hit one of his biggest sponsors after he won the PGA was Greenway Medical in Carrollton, Georgia. And uh, so uh, I'm picking the range, and I'm going to refill the triangles, the pyramids of range walls. And he sees that uh, – sorry, Mom and Dad, but uh, he sees that I had some – I was probably 19 at the time. I had a big old thing of Copenhagen in my mouth and a big old thing uh, – a, a can in my front pocket. And he goes, hey, kid, can I have a dip? <sighs> Only thing he said to me, I threw it to him, he threw it back, didn't say thank you, nothing, but he was in the zone, he had his ear, earphones right. in, and, you know, but he just, he noticed it from that far away, and that, I wasn't even into golf at this point, I wasn't barely even playing, I was working in the course, but, you know, I was a baseball player, I thought golf was boring, and so that made me a fan of Duffner, and I love the fact that when he does win, he wins in like a dramatic, come out of the graveyard, where have you been for the last 24 months type of way. <laughs> Um, so let me clarify something real quick. You're a Duffner fan because he's a mooch. Like he came no, I'm, a, up... I'm a Duffner fan because he's relatable. I'm just kidding. The dude there. is a dude. Yeah, he is a mooch. Okay, he's a mooch for sure because he, he took a 19-year-old's dip. Um, <laughs> but And didn't say thank you. And, and didn't say thank you. I didn't blame him. I thought it was cool as hell. But oh, I'm sure. Him. I would But, you know, I'm a fan of his because he just seems like a down-to-earth guy. That has the ability to catch lightning in the fire. Oh, he's but, streaky. But the complacency to say, eh, golf isn't everything. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to live in Auburn. You know, I'm going to go to the football games. I'm going to live on Lake Martin and, and drink my beer. And, you know, I'll, I'll work off my beer gut, and then I'll, I'll bring the beer gut back, and then I'll work it off, and then I'll bring it back. He just is a very down-to-earth, relatable type of guy, and I like to see him in the lead. So you're saying you got Duffner winning this weekend? I'm saying I hope Duffner wins this weekend. I really okay. So who's your pick then? You got Duffner. You're rooting for who you pick? It depends. If Rory comes out tomorrow and fires a five or six under, I'm picking Rory again. Uh, he let me down at the Masters, but I think he's playing really, really, really good golf. Um, other than the Masters, and he didn't play terrible, but you know, I I, I think when his game is on, he's the best in the world. Um, and it's just he's he's shown me too much this year for me to 
to put all my hopes and prayers into Duffner right. with Rory only, you know, five shots back. So I like Duffner just because he's got the lead. No offense, again, if the guys at 10 under end up winning the tournament, I do apologize, but I don't think they will. Uh, I think if anybody makes a charge, it would be Justin Rose. That golf course sets up well for him, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't necessarily have to hit it that far because it's really important about getting it in the fairway. Speaking of Rosie, did you see what he said uh, going into this week? It was pretty relatable, too. He he was on PGA Tour's Instagram and saying, I really don't know where my golf game is at this point. He was like, I don't know who you're going to see when right. I tee it up tomorrow because I'm really lost in my swing right now. So I- He got hammered for missing the cut at the Masters, which I actually thought was a little unfair, only in the sense that they don't really talk about that that much. I mean, I was telling people that Dustin Johnson and his stretch at number one in the world, I don't remember people you know, going nuts if he missed a cut at a major. Luke Donald had a pretty weak run at number one, and it was just weird that it was such a big story that Justin Rose missed the cut at the Masters. I think the difference between, at least, I don't know about the other one, but at least DJ against Rosie, Justin Rose has played Augusta so well in his career. Right. Two top twos. Uh, multiple top tens. He plays traditionally better at Augusta than DJ, than Rory, than the other guys. Mm -hmm. And so it was shocking. I think it wasn't so much that people were trying to just rip him. I think people were actually like, what the hell's wrong? Because he didn't play well, and this was actually his probably weakest start in about – Ten tries. It's golf, though, man. It's golf. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. He's to me, he's a great player. He's number one in the world. He's not at the level where it becomes a story. And I heard it on Golf Channel all week for him missing a cut. I just, I thought it was a little bit uh, blown out of proportion. uh, And I expect him to probably contend in a major before the year is over, which I think most people would agree. Uh, So we got. You know, like I said, there's not a lot going on right now. So we're going to do segments like this because I think it's fun. We all, I hope anybody listening to this podcast plays golf so they'll enjoy and get this. I I just told Scott this literally when we got here, but I said earlier we're going to go over our three favorite golfers to play with at the moment because I know this stuff always changes. And by favorite, not like, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, I'm talking about kinds of golfers same thing yeah exactly same for the type of people you hate playing with at the moment and then three things we don't understand about the game so i'm gonna start with the favorite golfers uh i like to play fast uh if i have my way every round would be about three three and a half hours i'm not the kind of person that i want to play like so fast you feel like you're rushing but i like to get in a rhythm and get moving so i love guys that are ready golf players meaning they're always ready they're not taking their time they're not you know one of my biggest things is when people will sit in the cart watch a guy hit ride five yards in the cart with them to then get out of the cart get Mm -hmm. their yards go then just go through the whole deal and it's like dude take 10 steps and be ready like if you're listening to this and you're one of those golfers that's not ready (laughs) when you're not either directly in front of the person hitting or a considerable distance away from them, like, yes, you're holding up play and everybody's rolling their eyes behind you. So, love ready golfers. Uh, I love playing with players that can, like, are really good golfers. Uh, I think everybody will agree that the better golfers you play with, the more it pushes you, the more likely you're going to, A, play better, B, 
you're going to learn stuff, whether it be just from watching them or luckily I have some friends and stuff that every time I'm out there with them, they'll see something in my game, whether it be, you know, my short game, my putting, my, my driver, whatever. And they give you tips. And you, I think that good golfers do a really good job of listening. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to do exactly what they say, but at least hearing, hey, they're seeing this in my golf swing. They obviously can play the game. I need to take this and try to work on it. So I love that. And then uh, for me, uh, the uh, I can't even read. This is when it's bad. You don't even can't even read your uh, notes. It's uh, playing golf with people like you, Scott. For y'all that don't know, uh, usually guys that work in the golf profession, obviously. I know you guys don't make the most money in the world, but you do get to play free golf. We do. And typically, if you go play with the pros, you also get to play for free. So, obviously, I love playing free golf. So, anytime I can go anywhere that I know that, you know, occasionally I don't have to play a cart fee or the green fee or whatever, that's a bonus. So, I do love playing uh, free golf anywhere. I also like it. uh, Yeah, everybody does. That's what I I love, like – for the city of Atlanta, they actually have a membership that, like, after 4 p.m., you can walk for free. And, I mean, you know, people line up to do that because yeah. it's awesome. So that's that's my three favorite type of golfers to play with at the moment. What are yours, Scott? All right. So uh, I hate – I, I got to say this to lead into the people I love. Right. I hate, I hate the type of person that you hit a bad shot. Right. And they're like – well, you didn't go this way. Right. Or, well, you didn't do Mr. this. Mr. Optimistic. Mr. Optimistic. Dude, just tell it like it is. I love <laughs> a golfer that will stand there, and I'll hit a bad shot and be like, parts, you, you really messed that one up. <laughs> or, that wasn't your best effort. Right. Or, you know, say something that's going to get me pissed off so I play better. Don't just encourage my flaws. Right. Right? So, that's my first one. I Tell it like it is, guy. You know, really be blunt on the golf course. And then the press guy. You know that guy. Oh, yeah. All right, so you know that guy. When he gets down, you know, I hate the guy that is so conservative that he won't press from $2 a hole to $4 a hole. Okay, I have you by the neck. I'm up $12 at the turn, all right, and you're still going to play me $2 a hole, right? Right. I would much rather you say, all right, I know I didn't play my best on the front side, but I'm about to kick your ass on the back side, right. so I'm pressing you to $4 a hole. It's two or four dollars. If you don't have two or four dollars, you shouldn't be gambling in the first place. Okay, right. so just man up and press. Make it interesting. <laughs> Make it fun coming down the stretch. Add some pressure because that's how you get better. All right. Like I have a friend. I've gotten this friend down from a nine handicap to about a three, but he's still so scared to even bet a dollar a hole just because he's not confident enough. And I'm like, dude, staying in your comfort zone and not wanting to lose any money only makes you worse. Right. right. So always be the press guy, not the guy that plays it conservative when he's down. All right. uh, and then the, the the people that don't act like they know how to do it all. OK, so I have a lot of friends like this and they try to I don't know if they try to impress me with their knowledge or they try to help me. And I, I'm fi- I'm all for tips if you know what you're doing. Right. Right. And that's that might just be the golf pro side of me coming out. But if you can't beat me and you have never beaten me. And you honestly haven't figured out your own game, don't offer tips for mine. And I, I, I'm all for encouraging and I'm all for, you know, helping out if you're all on the same level. Like right. me and you, we go play, me and you help each other out, we see things in each other's games, and we have that relationship. If I just met you on the third tee box because I just joined right. your group, 
don't start helping me with my game. I'll figure it out. You know what I'm saying? I, I hate that. the worst the guys on the range that will come down, and I mean, I see them everywhere, <laughs> and it's like, it's like literally they're just walking up and down the driving range, I guess, wanting to be a, a teacher so bad. Right. So what are the, the three type of players at this moment that you hate playing with? Oh, God. The that's one guy. I've hated this since I started the game. Is that the whiff, the, basically, or well, the T fall off? Not the or? whiff. If you whiff, that's one. Right. Okay. But... If you are setting up your driver, you go to stand back up and you just you, you know oh, you're, you just you're, accidentally you're knock it off. Fairway yeah, and you clearly haven't started your swing. Right, and you just tip it off the tee, and they're like, "There's always that one guy who cracks open." A beer. Oh, my dad will. <laughs> that's one. So if you're playing with us and that happens, you can go ahead and count. My dad will <laughs> say that's one. So I don't like that guy. <laughs> that guy, that joke is played out, guys. If you're that guy since the beginning of golf. <laughs> if you're that guy, it was funny the first 528 times. It's not funny anymore. Um, the guy that complains about thin lies or the greens, <laughs> but yet you drive 50 yards past where the golf course tells you to, right next to the green, and park or drive just to get closer to your ball, you're the reason that you have nothing to chip off of 10 yards from the green. It's a direct correlation, it seems like, that the same people complaining about greens being bumpy and you know people not fixing their divots are like the guy that I watch come up and you never fix a divot. Right. You or don't he's even always, look for it. Exactly. He doesn't even, always complaining about course condition. You'll see him kind of bunker and just walk right on the green. And it's then like, I'll add this in. The guy, and I, I deal with this more inside since um, instead of out playing golf. Right. But the guy... That complains about the greens being mm-hmm. bumpy, slow, um, you know, have some have some funk on them. Right. But then at the same time, complains when we punch them. Okay, so you're you're complaining about course conditions, but then when we do something Try to, to fix it, it yeah. and get it on a better better growing path and and, and faster and smoother, now you're complaining because now you got to punch on, punt on sandy greens. Anybody that complains about airifying greens is an idiot because you have to do it. You have like, to. You have to. Now if so it's seven weeks out it. and they haven't healed, right. Go talk to your superintendent because he's done something. Oh no, there's a difference. But but if it's two, if you know if it's ten days out and you're complaining about the bumpiness, get out of here, bro. Right. Um, and then. Here's my here's my least favorite one, because I I do occasionally get a little wild off the tee and I will hit it into the trees and the pine straw and and whatnot. Um, the guy that won't give up and quit looking for his damn <laughs> golf ball, right? All right, the rule the change. The ball retriever guy. The ball retriever <laughs> guy. The guy that is. You know, five yards into the white stakes out of bounds that is still looking for his golf ball. I don't know if, one, you're trying to get me to save you the shot and right. just, like, feel bad for you. So right. I'm just like, oh, don't worry about it. Just drop one. Or if you're just that cheap that you're worried about losing that golf ball. So once your three minutes is up, Pards, we're rolling. Three minutes, dude. That's a tournament. If you are playing Bruh. in a recreational round, okay. you got a minute. Like, move <laughs> okay, on. Sure. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. But dude, keep it moving down the fairway, Bubba. Just drop one. Let's go, man. Exactly. Let's go. What do what you... Well, you said something earlier about that. Oh, <laughs> just that I always tell people, like, if somebody's looking for their golf ball for more than, like, 60 seconds, I'll tell them, look, dude, I'll give you a golf ball. Like, get your ass in the cart. Let's roll. Like, or, I Let's mean, get it, baby. Let's go. You know, if you got it's a career a round swing. going or something, maybe I'll give you a little flexibility because you're, like, hoping maybe you can find it and save a stroke. But don't be a cheap ass. Like, and don't hold everybody up. Right. So, exactly. Uh, so what, what, are, what are your three 
least favorite golfers. Of so, and this is always, I know this is at this moment, but people that play too far back on the tees oh than God. what they're supposed to. I God, see it all the time where it's like guys playing the tips that can't break 90 and like it's okay for challenging yourself and, and wanting to try stuff but it's like what I told my dad. I just got my dad recently to move up to the senior tees. Uh, he's been eligible for like two and a half years and he loves it because now he's hitting like actually short irons into par fours. You know, God, who would have ever thought it was such a thing? <laughs> and like so many people play too far back. Like if you are not hitting a seven iron or less into almost every par four that you play, at least a majority, let's say 75%, you are playing too far back. Like okay. if you're hitting long irons or fairway woods at just your local course, you're playing way too far back. Move up. You're going to have more fun. It's going to pick up pace of play. You're going to get a better game because you're actually going to be, you know, hitting clubs that you're supposed to hit well and succeed. So as the golf pro coming out of me here, let me explain something for y'all, those of y'all that may not that may not know. Tees are not based on age, okay? They are in they are in tournament play just to keep people that you know are sixty two right. but still hit at two hundred and eighty yards. That's to keep them from not going too far forward that it becomes unfair to the field, okay? But if you're playing on Saturday morning at your club and you're playing in a foursome where no one no one can break ninety, just because you're thirty six years old doesn't mean you have to play from sixty six hundred yards. Exactly. Okay, move it up. Have fun. Okay, sorry. No, I, dude, you, I'm right there with you. So the second guy, which I know you have your own word for this, but it's it's the talk to my ball early call guy. The gumper. The gumper. That's what you call it. So you know when you got a putt that's like dead center, and then like a foot out here, somebody go, he made it, or it's in, or whatever, and then lip city. And it's like, I know they technically didn't do anything, but it's like, dude, I don't like your mojo. Like, you know, you right. just said it's in, and now all of a sudden it's not. And it looked right. like it was in. So and I'm going to get into that in my next And it's like, also, just don't talk to my ball. Like, it's okay with the sit and stuff, like, every once in a while, but, like, people can get carried away. And then it's like, just leave my ball out of your mouth. Right. Don't talk about my ball. My favorite is when you fat a shot and somebody's like, go! No! Yeah, exactly. You're like, you're like, why? Why are you telling my ball to go? Clearly, it's 40 yards If short. I'm not exerting this much energy because I don't care about where my ball is going, you definitely shouldn't, you know? So if I've already given up in my bag, or my club's already in my bag, quit talking to it. And it's funny, the, the last one is something that I didn't realize. You said that you call yourself this, which is kind of ironic. I, I played... A, a good amount of rounds, which I don't think you're too bad, but the over-info guy, and this is not only during the round, it's after. It's the person that wants to tell you about every single shot, what they hit, what they were thinking, the lie, and it's like, especially on the golf course, it's like, dude, this is a hard enough game. I'm trying to focus and like about my golf game, and in between that, like it's a social thing where I'm out there to hang out with my buddies and chit chat. The last thing I want to hear about is how you had kind of a bad lie on, you know, in the last fairway. It was sitting down a little bit. You tried to hit a seven iron. The wind picked up right as you hit it. You overdrew it a little bit. It got kind of a bad bounce. You thought it was going to kick right, but instead it kicked left. And then you hit your chip, and you thought it was going to be good, and it just checked for no reason. And then you thought that four-footer was going to go just a little bit to the right, and you hit the putt right where you wanted. It just didn't break. Oh, that's my favorite. And, you know, it's it's a five, you know? So it was, it was a tough bogey. It's like, dude. 
dude, I don't care. Like, I really right. don't. There's so many things that are interesting about whoever I'm playing with because I wouldn't be playing with you otherwise. And your shot-by-shot commentary on your golf game is not one of them. <laughs> it's just not. So, uh, all right. So then the last thing <laughs> was just three things that I don't understand on the golf course. I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> my buddy Ricky, I got to give him credit for this because we, <laughs> we played recently – and right after, we went out for bonus golf. You know what I mean? And there was a lot of people that played in this event that did the same thing. And <laughs> Ricky was like, why do all rules and stuff just basically go out the window when you reach the bonus golf or extra holes? Like, basically, after you played 18, you go out for either emergency nine. I always tell my wife, or 18 more. And the thing is, Rick, like I told Ricky, it's, it's like it's the Wild West. I mean, you got people driving like near tee boxes, hitting three balls off the tee. Like, you know, ball goes in the hazard. It's like, screw it. Just drop it. <laughs> like, you know, you right. just basically do whatever the hell you want. Right. And it was totally different atmosphere than just, say, an hour earlier when you're playing your first round. I think it has to do with the amount of alcohol consumed at That's the 19th hole. That's very fair. That's a very fair point. Maybe the alcohol actually finally kicks in from the first 18, and then you're just like, eh, eh, the marshal's not out here at 4 o'clock. That's that's very fair. (laughs) I also think that just people in general, like, you're tired because, you know, I right. know, some you're people lazier. make fun. Yeah, and you're just like, screw it. I'm just going to drive a car wherever I want to. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, then the same guys will come back into your pro shop at 8.45 the next morning. He's like, them damn, you can't hit a 30-yard shot because the fairways are so thin. Exactly. I'm like, well, no crap. Uh, so, number two, and they made all these great rules, uh, you know, changes this year. Like, seriously, I love a lot of them. Number one, I don't understand. <laughs> like, why, if you hit the ball in the middle of the fairway and you land in a divot, you got to play it there. But if you hit it, you know, 40 yards left or right and it's on a cart path or it's, a, you know, like a utility box or something, or not a utility box, but something that is a man-made obstruction, you get, you know, free relief. But middle of the fairway in a divot, you don't. I've heard the arguments. I understand what do you define as a divot, what do you not the bottom line is I just don't think you should be penalized because two people have hit a golf ball right down the middle in the exact same spot. Right. Are you, in the, I mean, you're, you're the pro here. What yeah. do you think? I mean, I, I definitely see why we don't because think of it this way. If your ball wasn't on the cart path, then, and you're in an old divot in the rough, you don't get relief from that or across the cart path, even in like the pine trawl. Um, you know, but at the same time, golf's hard enough. Right, but I'm saying, like, in a hazard, like, I, I, I would be okay with if you're in a divot in the rough, like, it is what it is. I mean, okay, it's just, I'm so just talking you're, about, you're oh, about, no, I'm talking about only in the fairway. So you're talking about, like, if, like, kind of like the same rules apply in your local game, roll it in the fairway. Exactly. You know, put that in play for, for all golf. I, I see the point. Especially, they get to play on pristine golf courses. Right. So the chances of there being imperfections and stuff are even, you know, well, less likely. And that's what I try to tell people all the time. Uh, you know, people all the time say, oh, man, I'd shoot 100. A six handicap came up to me and said, I'd shoot 100 at Augusta National. I'm like, if you play the right tee box, no, you wouldn't because you're getting perfect lies, and you're not used to that. So I don't want to see – I'm not all the way on board with seeing it change for tournament play yet. Right. But it should be every local rule in America. Right. For any type of amateur event, 
because amateur golf amateur golf's hard enough. Right. You don't have a you don't have fifty hours a week to go spend on your golf game. If I lease one down the fairway and I'm playing in an amateur golf event, I should not get penalized. Exactly. And then the third one, and this is because I mean I I'll go ahead and tell you if I, if I poke one uh, carry wise, you're talking about maybe two fifty off the tee, and I mean that really is that's me ripping one way up on uh, the <laughs> if i get you know 270 with roll your boy is you know showing off the guns so why is it the golfers that legitimately hit it the farthest that i play with will be like never admitting that they hit a ball square right. they'll hit one 315 and be 65 yards in front of me and they go man i towed that or it was a little off the heel or you know i kind of flailed it and i'm just like i don't know if they're just just trying to be an asshole or they just want to prove i hit it so far that i hit it that far and that wasn't my best i just want to let you know but it drives me nuts right i think a lot of people think it's better that you know they say oh man like yeah or well i understand the people that go man i got lucky on that one i did hit it well you know, that makes more sense, and that's more humble to me than saying, oh, I, we, I missed it a bit, and you still hit it three. I'll five. hit one 255 and be telling everybody in the group, I freaking smoked that but ball. But I'll, I'll tell you, and I should have put this one down for one of my three, but uh. piggybacking on that, what bothers me more about long players isn't so much the, when they say they missed a drive. It's when they fly a green and they go, man, that was an eight iron. I'm right. like, I don't give a right. shit. I you made the wrong club selection, buddy, not me. I hit a seven iron <laughs> to ten feet, and you hit an eight iron, you know, fifteen yards over the right. green to the back bunker on a downslope, you know, where you're screwed. Club selection's part of the game. Don't brag about the fact that you that you hit a club more than me and hit it farther, exactly, like, or a club less than me and hit it farther. Oh yeah, like that's that an ego thing. Okay, so so what's yours, pro? All right, why is the first fairway? Why does it have like one of those Black Panther bubbles protecting it? Why is the first fairway out of all of them? You're you're the you're not fatigued. You're not tired. You should be feeling good coming off the range. Why is the first tee the hardest or the first fairway the hardest to hit in a full 18 holes? I don't have a problem hitting the first fairway. I will agree with you though that I have a hard time making a par on the first hole. Exactly. Like it's a like, bugaboo to just, me in that I, sense. I say fairway just because it's it. Especially That's what you struggle with the most right off the bat. Right, yeah. especially you know at, at a course that I'm familiar with. Normally I, I'm very familiar with the fairway. Right, and I can't seem to get that fairway down. So the second one, um, why some beginners get so lucky and, and get a hole in one. Recently, you just played in our member member, and we had a lady, which is fantastic. I'm not taking anything away from her. This was a one of the most incredible moments I've had as a golf pro. She's been playing golf for six weeks. She recently got married to a guy. Oh, this is Jason Henry's wife? Yeah. Wow. So she recently got married to a guy that, that was our club champion. He, he gave her a set of clubs, taught her how to play six weeks. <laughs> Okay, in six weeks, she's gotten herself to a 26 handicap, which is phenomenal. And in competition play, with a lot, a lot, a lot of money in the Calcutta, and a lot on the line against 43 other teams and a member member, she knocks a hole in one. <laughs> Where she was already getting a pop, <laughs> so is it? Is she it, made a negative one. She, well, no, she made a zero. She made a one, one with oh, a. Oh, you're right. One. So she made a zero on that hole, but I don't even think you can do that. I, I don't. I don't really remember how we how the scoring was on that when we put it in the golf team. Put it this way, they won the hole. They won the hole for sure, for sure. So she gets a hole in one after only six weeks of playing, where you've got guys not even like me because I've only been playing for five years. I've had some really close calls. 
but I there's some of my members that have been playing for 50 years, 45 plus years, and they've never had one. But then you've got, got a guy like D. Rabideau, who's been a staple at our course. He has 16 hole-in-ones over 42 years. Well, let me tell you, they're luck. I, I've got two, okay. which I'm obviously thrilled about. But right. I tell people I've, I've been around a, a scratch golfer for at least the last 15 years of my life. Uh, my iron game is the best part of my game. And I've got two. And one was completely luck because it basically hit the pin and just, you know, went in. It would have been a good 15, 20 feet by. The other one actually came back in. But it's like what I tell people, I've holed out. A, a you know good amount of shots right. but to do it on a par three and just some of the way i've seen balls go in i've seen somebody make a hole in one that has hit a ball on the green and then gone in i saw a ball when i worked in st simon's that hit a tree 15 yards left of the hole bounced down hit just over the bunker rolled out and went in Wow. I mean, they hit the ball 15 yards left of the green, like right. 25 yards, you know, left of the flag, and made a hole in. They're all luck. It's congratulations if you got some. But I mean, I know pros on tour that I've heard only have like a couple. Right. If those guys only have exactly, every day, and we know how good they are, so if yeah. they don't have a bunch, it's like it's it's pretty cool. The the hole in one phenomenon is is a really cool topic. Uh, if you ever get on YouTube, go watch um, Adventures in Golf. There's mm-hmm. a guy named uh, named Eric, the host there. He tries to hit a hole in one at what you know over a two day span on the same golf hole hitting shot after shot after shot after shot and he ended up coming to the realization on day two and he still hadn't made one that the odds don't just it, it, they say it's one out of every 12,500 right uh, like that's your percentage that's your chance he's what he said was I can sit here and hit 20,000 golf balls but at the end of the day it's not that I'm hitting it's not that I need to hit 12,500 balls for one to go in right it's every single ball has individually right. a 1 in 12,500 chance of going in and he came to the realization that it is entirely luck you seen the guys i think they've done it on i know the european tour and i believe on the pga tour where they Did give they them like, like 500 balls and it's hilarious watching them cuz they're so good like a lot of them are close to the right. point where like after they get warmed up and they know the distance stuff, they're like yelling, go in the minute it comes off the club. But right. on the two I've seen, neither one of them have gotten And they got to clear the green every five exactly. minutes because all the balls are getting so, there. What's right, your third? So my third, and this is my most frustrating, uh, why? It's a big planet. It's a big earth. Uh, why is there one place on planet earth that defies gravity? And that is the three inches circling a golf hole. I don't understand it. I had a ball uh, Monday I played. I had a ball that went in the right edge of the cup, fell down into the cup where you could only see half the ball, and then popped back out of the cup. It's like it hit the plastic liner and came back out. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen. Um, I've had so many of them. I actually had one that I flew into the cup from 170 yards Hit, hit in the cup and, and spin back 15 feet. It's just the 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 hole of golf is like a black hole, except it's the opposite. It doesn't attract things. It it's like it it pushes them away. And that's the one thing about golf. Or the 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 final thing about golf that I do not understand why the laws of gravity do not apply. So in the member member, I saw two things, and it just to prove your point that I have honestly not seen in a long time, and it was by the same guy, which is most amazing in a nine hole period. <laughs> he hit one putt, 
that went in, went all the way around, and came out past the point that it came in. So it did more than a 360 and lift. And he went nuts about this. What was ironic about it is earlier in that nine hole, he did the exact same thing that went all the way around and almost halfway back around and went in. And went in. And... He conveniently had forgot that <laughs> when he's going, you know, I've never seen anything. I'm like, dude, you just made one four holes ago doing the exact same thing. Shut the F up. Okay. <laughs> but it was insane. I'd never seen, like, I couldn't even remember last time on TV I've seen a ball. Like, it literally went more than 360. Yeah. One went in, one went out. Uh, you got anything you want to plug, Scott, before we get out of here? Man, I, I, I just want to shout out to IBN. I'm having a great time, uh, not only on doing this podcast on their Facebook page. It's awesome. Uh, and just everything sports-related is on that Facebook page. So check it out. It's a, a forum um, that they have, and the guys that run it do a fantastic job. Um, Make so sure I, you don't get fined and ridiculed on the uh, page. One of the things, if you say something stupid, yeah. uh, I love it. They call you out, and what they say by fine is, you know, you got to pay a $5 billion uh, <laughs> fine, and, you know, you can't post for the next 24 hours because right. you just said that, like, Kevin Durant's the, you know, most overrated player in basketball or something along those lines. Right, something stupid. But I'm having a great time on this podcast. Uh, each one gets seems to get a little bit better and a a little bit uh we work together a little bit better so um just keep keep tuning in guys we appreciate the views and the listens and uh we'll see you uh in what two weeks for the uh the preview of the pga championship yep and i uh before we get out of here i've got a bunch of stuff to plug me and my wife do a podcast called just enough sports it is a podcast for the sports list. We basically go over a topic, a sports topic, 30, 45 minutes. We've done the Masters, March Madness, the NBA playoffs. Recently, we did the first round of the NFL draft. It's for those that don't know a lot about sports, but they basically want to have an intelligent conversation with their loved ones, friends, coworkers, etc. who do. Uh, you also obviously want to... Check out the IBN podcast feed on iTunes. Check out their Facebook page, the website. As Scott said, they're great articles, discussions, etc., sports and pop culture. And then we will have another Two Off the Tee podcast here, uh, probably like the Monday or Tuesday of the PGA Championship. And again, I'm going to try to pick the winner in a major again. I can go ahead Two and tell years you, in a row. I think uh, I think I can go ahead and tell you what who you're going to pick. There's a good chance my boy Tiger will be the pick. <laughs> so we'll just see. But we really do appreciate y'all listening. Please, if you get a chance to go rate and review us on iTunes, we really appreciate that. And this is Keith and Scott Porter for another edition of Two Off the Tee. We'll see you guys soon. Bye.